Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. What a cliffhanger. And I do not know what happens. Are there any Game of Thrones fans out there? Okay. I have not seen the show besides that clip. Um, And my husband and I watched the clip and we were like, he's probably the good guy who like wins the whole battle and somehow defeats all these people. But realistically, you do not want to be that guy, right? (laughs) That does not look like a situation you'd want to be in, facing down this army. Um, Well, why did I start with this video? Today, we are going to be talking about the final battle. And I thought that that was probably a pretty accurate visual of um, maybe what the final battle would look like if you were on the wrong side and you're facing down the army of God. Might feel a little bit like that, but maybe like 10 times worse, 100 times worse, I'm not sure. Um, But today, we're going to see why. The series that we've been in is called Revealed, uncovering the mystery of revelation. It's been kind of intense, right? And informative. It's been great. I've been loving it. And today will be no different. Intense, informative. Um, Today's message is revealing the final battle of revelation. So this is the end of the story. It's not the end of the series, but it is the end of the story and the conclusion of things. And today we're going to get a sneak peek into what the end will look like. We will be in Revelation 19 and 20. So if you want to um, open your Bible, there are Bibles on the seats in front of you underneath. You can use um, your phone or another device, and you can look up the notes on sermons.church. And this is just a reminder that Revelation is filled with a lot of poetry and prophecy and a lot of visual imagery. So get ready for that. Um, Before we jump in and read our text, um, I'm going to pray. Father God, um, I thank you that you give us a glimpse into the future. And I know sometimes it can feel overwhelming or confusing. So I just pray that um, as we read through this, that you would just bring clarity. And we know that you bring hope and that you bring victory. And that's what we want to see this morning. Help us to be open to just receiving from you. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Revelation 19, we're gonna start in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron." 
he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Jump to verse 20. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Jump to Revelation 20, verse 2. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And verses 9 and 10. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So lots of imagery in there, right? Now, I'm not an expert on Revelation. I don't know all the secrets. Um, so when Matt asked me to teach this message, um, I was like, I don't know. But he was like, you are really good at doing research. And I was like, I am really good at learning things and sharing with people. And this is the kind of stuff that excites me. So I hope that I can do that today um, because I really think if you understand some of this imagery, you just see things in a completely new light um, and you just have a new understanding. So we're gonna be walking through a lot of the imagery today. So some things we're gonna look at, we're gonna look at the rider, who is it? The horse, is it significant? The army of heaven, the sword coming out of his mouth, the great supper, and then we're gonna say, what's the point of all of it? I see you guys filling in your blanks. Did you get them all? That was a lot right up, right on the top of things, okay. So we're going to recap that first paragraph that we read in Revelation 19. I'm not going to reread it because we just read it. But um, So we've got heaven opening, there's a white horse and someone's sitting on it. Um, and it says, he judges and makes war, eyes like a flame of fire, on his head many diadems or crowns. Um, and then we, he talks about the armies of heaven, white and pure on white horses. Okay. So. We've got the rider, horse, and army all mentioned in there. So let's look at the rider. Faithful, true, judge, the word of God. Any of those sounding familiar yet? Does anyone know who it is? Who do you think? Jesus. Okay, but how do we know? We need some proof. Let's be sure. Let's look at scripture. 2 Timothy 2.13 if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself, right? That's who he is, faithful. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 5, 22, for the Son judges, or for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. He's the judge. 
John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then listen to this one, Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So now it's feeling a little bit more obvious, right? Like, yep, this is Jesus coming on the white horse. We can check rider off. And one little bonus feature that... um, Actually, it wasn't in my original notes, but the scripture had said on his head were many diadems or crowns. And the reason for the many is because he's the king of all the kings. And um, it's just also interesting to look back and contrast that with the crown of thorns that he wore. So what is the significance of the white horse in battle? Does it matter? Well, in biblical times, especially in Israel, Um, Most soldiers would have been foot soldiers. So to have a horse would have been an advantage, right? A horse spoke of honor, of power, and of speed. And the color, white, is significant. It speaks of victory. In Roman military processions, a triumphant general would ride his white horse through the streets of Rome in victory. So let's contrast that to Christ's first entry into Jerusalem, humble on a donkey, but when he returns at the end of the age, his second entry into Jerusalem will be on a white horse as he leads a triumphant military procession on the renewed earth. So there's a spoiler alert for you guys. Jesus wins. Remember Doug's message a few weeks back, we had the seals and the deceiver was on a white horse. That was someone trying to look like Jesus, but it wasn't him but this will be the real deal. So horse, check. Okay, so victory's coming in the end, but first, we talked about how Jesus is the judge, right? We know that he's going to come in judgment at the end of the age. And the Bible tells us that, and then Pastor Matt had talked about the seven bowls of wrath in Revelation 16. Um, But when I was reading this about Jesus and it talked about the eyes like a flame of fire and making war, I was like, man, that sounds kind of like scary. Not like the Jesus we like to picture, right? Loving and healing and teaching and compassionate. Um, But actually Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 34, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So just let me reiterate what we've seen as we were studying Revelation already in this series, but maybe with a fresh perspective because I have something that Matt doesn't bring to the table. I'm a mom. So (laughs) I can be a cuddly, fun, loving mom, right? I can have my kids around me on the couch cuddling, telling stories. Um, I can be that mom. But when one of my kids hurts another one of my kids and some consequences need to be doled out, Um, that kid that did the hurting might say that I have some eyes like flames of fire coming at him, right? (laughs) Um, So if you're the kid who did the hurting, yeah, you probably should be a little scared, right? But if you're the kid who was hurt and mom's coming to your rescue, how do you feel? Comforted? Safe? 
relieved? Do you feel like justice is being served? So if we are Jesus' followers, we have nothing to fear. But if we're choosing evil, then yes, we should be scared. It is good for us to remember that this dramatic display of judgment, it comes only at this super, the end of this super long period of grace. Patience and mercy. We are in that time right now. There is no rush to judgment. Jesus has amply displayed his nature of mercy, forgiveness, and grace to this fallen world. And we know that he won't come back until everyone has heard about him and has had the chance to make that choice. Um, I loved this quote from Robert H. Mounts, who is a New Testament scholar. It says, any view of God which eliminates judgment and his hatred of sin in the interest of an emasculated doctrine of sentimental affection finds no support in the strong and viral realism of the apocalypse. Which basically means, if you eliminate the hatred of sin and judgment and you stick with those warm, fuzzy feelings, then we're weakening the gospel and we're not living in the reality of what is coming. If you eliminate the hatred of sin and judgment and you stick with the warm fuzzies, you are weakening the gospel and not living in the reality of what's coming. So you can write that down. Eliminating judgment weakens the gospel. Yeah, we don't need Jesus, right? (laughs) If judgment wasn't coming, we wouldn't need him. But this war that is coming, it's not something we should fear. Not if we hate our sin as much as God does and we repent of it. And this war that is coming, it will not be like an earthly war. It will not be like a war that we have ever known. Um, Adam Clark, a Bible commentator, said, the wars which he wages are from no principle of ambition, lust of power, or extension of conquest and dominion. They are righteous in their principle and in their object. And this is perhaps what no earthly potentate, which I included there for you, which is a monarch or ruler, could ever say. So basically, like, why do earthly rulers wage war? Usually for land. That's what's happening right now, isn't it? For power, for their own benefit, to get something out of it. Jesus isn't going to wage a war out of selfish ambition. His will be a righteous war. Now notice, okay, if we look back at scripture that we've already read, that first paragraph, our description of the final battle. It wasn't a very big description, was it? It was pretty brief. And there wasn't actually any fighting in it, was there? Now, if you were like watching a movie or reading a book, you'd want a little action, right? You wouldn't not want them to just be like, there was a war and we won. You'd be like, no, show me the action. But there's no actual battle here. It's just victory. He comes, he's victorious. It's like they didn't even need to fight. Let's glance back at Revelation 19.20. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And then let's look at Revelation 22. 
he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Verse 9, they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's something to look forward to. Now, I do want to talk about the armies of heaven that we read about in Revelation 19.14. It said, The armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Okay, so this is kind of cool. Something to think about. So for sure there will be angels, because um, we saw in Matthew 25.31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him. But, something for you guys to ponder. Many scholars think it also appears that these armies will be chosen and faithful humans. Mm. That'd be kind of cool if you came riding on the white horse with Jesus. So um, here's a verse that speaks to that. Jude 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, About these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And there's another one in Revelation 17:14. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is Lord of lords and King of kings and those with him are called chosen and faithful. So, something interesting to ponder. You can check off army. Um, there's a few other like small visuals in there and some fulfillments of prophecy that are cool, but I was just trying to stick with the big ones today, but you should definitely study on your own, and I bet you could find even more. But let's move on to my favorite one in Revelation 19. Verses 15 and 16, it said, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. That's the prophecy. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So let's talk about the sword coming out of the mouth. I love it. Okay, so if we go to the armor of God in Ephesians 6, we have the belt of truth breastplate of righteousness, shoes, which are the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, armor, right? All defensive, all protection. Ephesians six seventeen, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What is a sword? It's a weapon. It's offensive. You can write that down. The sword of the spirit is our only offensive weapon. And what did it say the sword of the Spirit was? The Word of God. So in Matthew 4, um, Jesus is led into the desert, and he fasts for 40 days, and then Satan comes and tempts him three times, and um, Jesus defeats him three times. And do you guys know what his weapon was? It was scripture, the word of God. That's all he did. He just spoke scripture at Satan. Done. 
all he needed. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 2 Thessalonians 2.8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Sword. I, that is exciting to me. That is exciting to me. We're, we're going to talk a little bit more about it later, but check it off. Let's keep going. Back to the scriptures. Revelation 19, verses 7 and eight, 17 and 18. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. That sounds like a yummy dinner. I know, you guys just got hungry. Usually um, when something is repeated in scripture, it is because it's significant. There's a reason that they repeat it over and over and over. Um, and so what are you seeing a lot of? Flesh. Um, and so the significance is that um, it's, not, like, it's not the flesh that's significant, but it's the fact that these men are living by their fleshly desires. Um, and then the fact that it talks about different stations is showing us that everyone will be subject to judgment. There is no station high enough that's going to escape judgment. Um, and this supper is very interesting because there actually are two suppers in Revelation. The other is in Revelation 19.7. It says, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready and the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So what is the bride? The church. So if you're part of the church, which is the bride of Christ, and you have made yourself ready, you will be invited to the marriage supper. And it said you will be blessed. But if not, you're a supper for the birds. Those are your two options. Dine with Christ or live by the flesh and become a meal for the birds. So, great supper, check it off. So what is the point? What are our takeaways? I have two for you. We have a choice. Join Christ and enjoy victory or stand alone against the army of heaven if you choose Christ, this is not scary. This is something we should be looking forward to. This is what we're waiting for. This is what we're hoping for. Just like long ago, people were waiting for the Messiah, for the coming of a Savior. Now we're waiting for him to come again. We are longing for evil to be eliminated. No more pain, suffering, death. This is it. Another cool thought. I said we were going to talk about that sword of the spirit again, which is the word of God. This is our weapon too. We have access to all the scriptures right here. The same Bible verses that Jesus used against Satan are in this book. We have it more available than anyone else in history. 
It's on your phone, computer, tablet, any language. You can audiobook it. There's different versions. There's even a graphic novel for those that like comics. Like, get your kid the graphic novel and get them in the Bible. So, are we taking this for granted? If you knew a war was coming and you had a sword in your house, would you just hope that you could figure out how to stab someone with it on the day you needed it? Or would you train? Would you become a revered swordsman? How are you doing with readying yourself with the sword? Are you gonna wait for the day that you need these words and hope that you open to the right page and can quote the right scripture? Or are you gonna start reading today, meditating today, memorizing today? Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. Would you rather be this guy? Or would you rather be one of the guys on the horses? Would you rather hold a sword in your hand with no clue how to use it? Or would you rather stand a fighting chance? Let's think about it while we sing this song. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.